Hello, I'm Phoebe. And I'm Damien. And you might be asking, what do an Aussie and a Pom have in common? Quite a lot, actually. For starters, Her Majesty has her face over all our currency. There's a great big Union Jack on all our flags as well. Hold up, wait for me! Who the bloody hell are you? Bloody hell are you? I'm Phoebe. I'm Damien. And we're right. here. And you are? I'm Clancy. We do speak the same language. And we do love winding each other up. Yeah, because you guys can't play cricket. Well, you guys don't want to play us at cricket. That's the big difference. Let's get on with the show. We discuss current events in Australian politics. While on a mission to ensure the Governor General stays in their job. Let's save the the Governor Governor General. Governor General. Hello, my name is Damien. You're joined by the wonderful Phoebe Rose. Oh, the great, she's wonderful. How are you, Phoebe? I'm fine. I keep playing football too much, but, you know, that's my own my own fault. Do you play full forward, do you? No, I'm one of those lunatics that stands between the sticks. Oh, you're, you're a fullback. I get, the, I get the ball thrown at me and I'm, I'm the only one allowed to catch it. Oh, you play association football. I play the ancient game. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> of kill the heretics. That that seems to be that seems to be an ancient game. Whoa, oh whoa. yes, we, we we can we can but hope on that one. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, so thank you for joining me for this uh, our semi regular semi regular chat and view on on Australian politics. Great to chat with you and uh, get your views on things from afar. Sorry? I say I can't believe we. I say I can't believe we actually got around to doing it. It was one well, of those things that we. Well, no. well, we, we're still working on our logo, so that's <laughs> that seems to be uh, on the back burner. But we do actually have a special uh, special guest and a latest latest addition to the team, Clancy. And this is a special sound for Clancy. There, Clancy, special applause for you. Oh, gee, thank you. I feel so privileged. <laughs> no worries, Clancy. Welcome to the team. Uh, tell us a bit more about yourself. Uh, well, I'm a originally from Sydney, but I moved to Tasmania about 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I have fairly extensive family history intermingled with politics and journalism. I was a card-carrying member of the Labor Party for, from the age of 18. I was the youngest branch president of the Wollongong ALP when I was 18. Wow. Without really knowing a lot about politics at the time, which was probably beneficial, actually. Yep, and you could say that a lot of people in the ALP don't quite know a lot about politics now. They absolutely don't. Um, so I, I left. I left um, Wollongong at an interesting stage, which was right before the um, scandal over the branch stacking in North Wollongong, which. Okay. Hasn't stopped somehow. No, and that might be part of our, our little uh, recap of Australian politics uh, coming up because um we've because uh, uh, I think uh, Eddie O'Bead will fe- feature somewhat and um yeah, anyway there's a few others too yeah unfortunately indeed so anyway I was going to lead off uh, lead off our uh, our semi regular discussion with uh, a fellow in the Australian Federal Senate named Malcolm Roberts. So, old buddy Malcolm, he, uh, he, there was a Business Insider report that uh, he went from literally zero followers on his Instagram to about 30,000 in a short space of time. 
And he did that by basically cuddling up to the uh, anti-vax and wellness influencers. So if you are crazy enough, you can actually find uh, Senator Malcolm Roberts. Uh, his handle is literally Senator Malcolm Roberts. Um, and if you go through, if you do go through his Instagram, it's very typical freedom fighter stuff. Um, he probably lines up fairly closely with uh, United Australia Party, Craig Kelly, uh, Clive Palmer, that that side of the that side of the fence. Um, you know the very the very us against the world. The pla- the whole place is full of hypocrites, um, all that kind of stuff. But one thing that did slightly surprise me was that recently he took part in an online seminar called. Uh, pray and pushback number two. So if you go to, uh, what was it, masiti.com, M-E-S-I-T-I.com forward slash pray, um, disgraced Hillsong pastor Pat Masiti uh, has hosted a like an online video seminar called Pray and Pushback. Um, and yeah, so he's got a whole host of uh, various right-wing figures. So Pauline Hanson also features on there as well. Senator Malcolm Roberts. I'm just trying to think who else because I had the I had the screen up, and I'm going to try find Bishop Marmari. Uh, yes, it'd be Bishop Marmari. That's uh, that's the one. Who else is? Uh, just trying to think who else was on there. So David Harris Jr. Whoever the uh, Aussie Cossack, whoever Aussie Cossack is. Um, uh, Craig Kelly. He's made an appearance. Uh, Jürgen Mathesius, Pastor Rob Thompson. Um, and George Christensen, George Christensen gets a gets a run as well. So, the, the who's who of uh, right wing uh, nutbaggery, I think. I say it is, sounds like a collection of the stop the world I want to get off party. That's a good way of looking at it. But it's just the interesting thing is that Pat Masidi himself, uh, he was a former Hillsong pastor who's actually been banned from Hillsong for being too sleazy, which is possible. Yeah, I never. <laughs> <laughs> never thought, never thought that would be a thing. But um, yeah. Anyway, um, ladies, your thoughts on that? Well, it just what? amuses me how the the most um unqualified and um unlikely people get into these sorts of positions of power, where they're actually revered as authorities. Hmm. But not because just authorities, but they're seen as thought leaders and opinion movers and the people that you aspire to be. The people who speak for me and you know, all that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, that's... Look, I don't know who Malcolm Roberts was before uh, Pauline Hanson uh, picked him up and uh, chucked a suit on him. Mm. But, um, yeah, that's because uh, if I remember correctly, Phoebe, uh, wasn't he part of the Citizenship 7? Uh, I think he was. He was caught up in the, in the, in the storm in some way, shape or form. Oh, because he was, uh, he was British, uh, he was Indian in some aspect. I'm going to have to double, I will double check that. I will. Yep, I will he was from West, West Bengal. That's right. He was the he was the guy, and they yeah, he was one of the lucky few that was caught up in that wonderful scandal. And then he got said. Then they all said goodbye to him. And then they decided, no, we quite like you. Come back. <laughs> well, some people quite like him, but maybe maybe come back, man. After being, oh uh, well, oh uh, well. Anyway, 
I mean, oh, it's just, it's, yes, that's what he did beforehand. He was in the coal mining industry he before he got... Oh, there we go. That's and he wasn't father. a coal miner. He was a manager. He wasn't an actual miner. He was manager. No, I, I could imagine Malcolm Roberts in a, you know, in high in high-vis vest, you know, <laughs> being manly and jumping on a big digger or something. But, oh, well, that's uh, good on him. Good on him. But, yeah, so... I've just got a little bite here from from um, Wikipedia. Sure. So his father was a Welsh coal miner in West Bengal, India, in a place called Dizagar, and he grew up in India in a house stuffed, staffed with servants. And as a child, Roberts built a miniature coal mine in the yard of his home. Oh, that's that's so 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 nice. But actually, I'm just reading through, just uh, while I've been speaking, just looking at uh, this. Uh, so, prayandpushback.com is where you'll find this uh, thing. And one of the speakers is Graham Hood. And so, underneath each speaker, there's a little plus button you can click, and it has a, about the speaker. And so, Graham Hood. Graham Hood is a former Qantas pilot. And yeah. that's all it's got for him. That's like his qualification to speak at a... Well... <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. That's talk about living in a bubble. <laughs> I know. Uh, who else is there? Um, Praise your wings. Yeah, you know, true. I'm just. There's a few pastors here. Um, Robin Green. Robin Green is an Australian gospel singer. She released her first album, "Here's the Answer," in 1986. She is an influential Indigenous Australian Pentecostal worship leader. Okay. So influential, I haven't heard of her. But all right. That's... So influential, she sounds like she's tokenized. Well, that's uh, unfortunately, there's quite a large um, fundamentalist Christian movement in Indigenous people. I've read about that. Yes, so tell, yeah. us more. tell us more, Tracy. There's so it, uh, basically, it's you know the missionaries got to them, and um, but evidently, it's led in in a lot of places by um, people from Pacific Islands. Okay. Yeah, so particularly Tonga and um, Fiji and New Zealand. So there's been quite a lot of influence from preachers going out to Indigenous populations in Australia mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, inducting them into the Word of God and and that's part of a big anti-vax movement as well. It's okay, been pretty influential in Indigenous communities in Outback. That is uh, okay. That's uh, that's worth uh, worth thinking. Worth think because I did read about a. I'm just trying. To, I can't. I forget now. But yeah, I did read about uh, a Pentecostal uh, woman who was uh, one of these firebrand right wing preachers who was going through the uh, indigenous uh, settlements to um, yeah, pre- preach the word basically. Um, anyway, enough about Malcolm Roberts. Uh, who who else has something to to add to the um to the discussion? Well. Eddie Abed's being in the news recently. Oh, yes. And uh, why, what's the latest with him? Well, you know, I think it's sort of par for the course with the reputation of politicians like this who obviously get into politics for their own their own gain rather than promoting the welfare of others. Mm-hmm. Um, and as much as I hate to say it, he was a Labor politician. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's been kicked out, but I mean, I knew him by reputation 
when I was still in the party, and it was actually one of the reasons I left the party because I was pretty sick of all of the corruption and the power games and the underhandedness that went with it all. Yep. Um, and it was well known that he was corrupt, you know, way yeah. back when. Oh, yeah, totally. And But it's because of that all that wheeling and dealing they used to do. It was in people's best interest to keep him in the, in the party. He was a power broker, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and he would often go behind the scenes to do that. Um, and it was at the time when the, the right wing was a bit more dominant than it is now. We tend to have a bit more of a bite back with the left wing faction. But, um, yeah, it turned out that he and his uh, his family um, had been doing some little underhand deals with um various other organisations to buy out licences for Indeed, uh, and, uh, water and various things. And so because the former energy, was it the, the energy minister, Ian MacDonald, he uh, he ironically actually got the, if I, if I understand correctly, they've now all been jailed uh, this week. So the reason they're back in the news is because they've been uh, officially sentenced. Yes, that's right, yeah. And ironically enough, he grew up in Redford. Oh, okay. well, there we go. So, we, uh, so in 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 the, in the pre-show chat, we we're talking about Redfern. In case, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, world is about this big. It's it's a tiny little place. The world is. <laughs> it is indeed. It is indeed. But um, ironically, Ian McDonald got the longest sentence, even though he didn't profit anything from it. Yeah, it's interesting, man. I wonder. I wonder who did the the power dealing there. But I think it was. I think it was punishment. For not being corrupt enough. Look, oh, we're terribly sorry, but you weren't corrupt enough. We have to punish you for that. Mm. <laughs> oh, the, world, the, world, the world's a funny place. Uh, speaking of uh, the people from funny places, Phoebe, good to. What, what, what have you got from your part of the world? So, we in the UK have started rolling out our vaccines to 12 to 15 year olds. Mm-hmm. You wonderful Australians have been doing that a bit faster than we have. Well, half, well, mainly because there's, you know, half the population in Australia. But there's a there's a lot of Australians who want to get out of Britain. I wonder why. And there could be some issues trying to get back into Australia. Yep. If you have a child aged between 12 and 15, because so far you can only have one of the two jabs if you're a 12 to 15-year-old. And the UK then says, no, 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 you've got to wait 12 weeks between each jab. Yep, yep. So a good three months. A good three months. So if you have your jab today, you'll be back sometime after Christmas. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep. And we're going to have some issues here when people are trying to fly, in particular, back in, because Qantas won't take you. No. Qantas simply straight up won't fly you. And so you could have the absurd situation of a family of four where the parents are fully jabbed and there's a child aged seven who is exempt. And then you have a 13-year-old who is stopping the whole family from going. And it strikes me as one of these things of, I understand why, Mm. but if somebody is on their way to getting jabbed, why can't you just say, well, okay, you've had half of it now. Why don't you say well, you can have the other half when you get to Australia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you can make them do all the tests and everything, but it does seem like 
these rules aren't being fully understood by people because how can I put this? Somebody has passed some rules mm-hmm. and they're fine for adults who've got all the time and who've had all the time since December of 2020 to start yeah. getting vaccinated in the UK. Indeed, yeah. And now we have children who don't really have that much choice being told, well, we're terrible, so you can't go home. Yeah, you're stuck in Britain. Oh, and you're stopping your whole family going home yeah, as that's, well. That's, like, not only are you stuck in Britain, but you've also you also cop the you know you're to blame for yeah. the rest of the family not being able to leave. Well, yeah. So, and Britain only started its rollout of vaccines in September when everyone went back to school. Really? So, okay. because in Britain. School vaccinations are the way that you you vaccinate children and teenagers. Yep. Same here. So yep. I remember having my vaccination. Didn't go to the doctor. The school nurse did it. But we've gone. No, we we don't want to burden GPs and stuff. So you know Aww. you can just you can just wait until you get to school. Okay, sure. Why not? That just, just uh, as by by the by. But you're right because my I've got a I've there's funny I've got a twelve and fifteen year old myself and they've both got their they both 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 got their first ones, and they're getting their second ones next week. So you're right. It's just interesting how um, Britain and, and Australia, even though, from my understanding, uh, England actually started their rollout like just general for the general population, well ahead of Australia. It they did. And now the UK was in- the I say the UK, as far as I can remember, was the first industrialized Western nation. Mm-hmm to begin a mass rollout program. We were the only, I think we started doing it as soon as they said, you can go. Yep. In like early December 2020, because there's the famous picture of the old lady whose name yes. I cannot remember. That's right. No, I, know, I know who you're Receiving the to. Pfizer, the Pfizer-BioNTech jab. Mm-hmm. Around, and it was beamed around the world. And then Britain got really quite a long way through it. And everyone's just gone, okay. Now what? <laughs> whatever, Joe. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's. Yeah. So, just out of curiosity, Peggy, what is the main vaccination they're offering to kids in in the UK? Is it the Moderna? Pfizer. Is it Well, but that's not right because the gap for the Pfizer vaccine is only three weeks. UK don't care. It's twelve weeks for all jabs. <laughs> yep. It's 12 weeks, whether it's AstraZeneca. Yeah, no, 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 in the UK, it's 12 weeks. Okay, well, I mean, that, sorry, so just to give you a little bit of my history, I am actually, I actually was a public health nurse. So I've worked on the COVID response team here and we give advice about all of those sorts of things. And, yeah, so for, for us, the, the uh, Pfizer is only three weeks. I've had both my Pfizer vaccinations. I've got a friend of mine from the UK who came over about six months ago who got vaccinated before he came out, before we rolled it out here. So that I find that really curious is that they're imposing a 12-week wait on kids for a Pfizer vaccine that should only be three. Well, that's AstraZeneca, I'd understand it. Well, I think in, the UK, Sorry. in the UK, what we've done is... They said, we want everybody to get a first jab as quickly as we can. So oh, we're not yeah. going to do second jabs until 12 weeks later. The problem is they've done that big block of people and vaccination rates in the UK are 80 
percent, mm-hmm. and in some parts ninety to ninety-five percent. Mm-hmm. But they haven't removed the twelve-week window, so the rules are still in place. Say twelve-week window for AstraZeneca, for Pfizer, and I think Moderna as well, because the government just haven't changed the rules. <laughs> so you're stuck with the government rules of twelve weeks. Aww. Okay. Well, you know, it's nice to know that we're a lot more ahead of the UK in a lot of ways in Australia and Tasmania. But yeah, a little bit about my background. My mother is a um, medical marketer. So by profession, she does all the medical marketing for these big drug companies. And she said, I see the literature come through my desk on a regular basis and the politicians haven't got a clue. (laughs) Oh, really? No, come on. But it's not that they haven't got a clue when it comes to what they're saying on the actual science is they haven't got a clue on what they're saying as to how to actually tell anybody what the actual science says. And what I mean by that is that they're just making some things up about it. My mum saw, um, I think it was the new UK health minister say, we're on the fence as to whether children under the age of 12 should have the jab. And my mum went, we're not unsure. We know it's safe. We know it's safe. Stop saying all this nonsense. I mean, it sounds like you're basically the health communication sucks. Communication full stop sucks in this country. Yeah. Except for that guy who uh, drove halfway across England to go to his castle that we were talking about in the last... Dominic Cummings... It, it, it wasn't halfway across England. It was entirely across England. Oh, he sorry. Went, from, <laughs> sorry, he went from London to the northeast of England, almost to the border with Scotland. <laughs> to get in his castle. Okay. As you do, as you do. But how big is the anti-vax movement in England? Just it as, thinks as it's a... bigger than it is. I'm sorry, I say, I think it, it thinks it's bigger than it is. Okay, all right. Because vaccination rates in the UK show that the anti-vax movement is bigger than it thinks it is. It's good at getting on the news. It's good at its protests. It's yeah, good at yeah. getting people out on the protest. But vaccination rates are in the 80 and 90%. Okay, good, good. That's so, uh, roughly what it is in Australia. But uh, speaking of um, vaccination rates, Clancy, uh, tell me more about Tasmania, if you could. Well, um, our hallowed premier, uh, Gatwin, mm-hmm. has just announced recently that uh, Tasmania will be opening its borders Basically, as long as you are double vaccinated and you have a negative test result yep. uh, from the December the 15th, which is, you know, just in time for Christmas. Like yeah, that. so we can go to Tasmania for Christmas. Yay. And I've, yeah. And I just recently saw on Netflix Van Diemen's Land, so I don't know if I want to go to Tasmania anymore. Oh, yeah, that could, that's <laughs> probably put a few people off. I hope so. Um. <laughs> well, I, well, I just think I could – well, I could – I'm thinking of a nice Christmas vacation for my new fiance and I. Well, Tasmania now sounds like a nice Christmas vacation come, from, come for Tasmania, an Australian. Baby. <laughs> no, for, for, for someone in America and someone in Britain, we should both holiday in Tasmania. Oh, God. I don't know about the American, but you can come. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's... Um... My fiance will <laughs> laugh when she hears that. She will laugh when she hears that. <laughs> We've already got too many Americans here, trust me. Um, <laughs> most of them are good ones, so I can't really complain. Um, 
I mean, look, we're frankly terrified because, um, to put it quite bluntly, the uh, health system in Tasmania is already at full capacity. That's with zero COVID. Really? Because um, my just just a slightly off topic is, I think that you just had a three day lockdown because someone escaped their hotel. Yeah, basically. So we, we had a we had a guy who had come from New South Wales via Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And um, turned out he had no good to go pass. So part of the way you get into Tasmania is you have to have this good to go pass. Mm-hmm. Yep. You have to apply to the Tasmanian government to actually get in. And he'd been rejected twice because he was coming from high risk areas. Um, but he got on the plane anyway. And of course, the big flaw in the system is that they check the pass when you get to Tasmania, but not when you get on the plane. Okay, yep. Um, and the airlines basically have taken no responsibility for checking whether or not someone's eligible to get into the place they're going. So he caught the last plane of the evening to Tassie, which meant that they couldn't send him straight back on the next plane. They had to put him up for the night. Oh, God, yep. And whether this was by accident or design, I don't know. But they had to put him up in one of our vaccination hotels and he mm. managed to sleep, slip out through a service entrance undetected and decided to go on a 20-hour jaunt through Hobart and visit, obviously, some friends of his. Mm-hmm. Turned out, turned out he'd recently been released from prison on drugs charges. Oh dear, <laughs> yep. And he'd spent several hours in a park, not very far from where I live, as a matter of fact, um, basically canoodling with other people of his ilk. And um, they finally caught up with him. They obviously tracked him down through his known associates and they were able to take him into custody. But during that time, he also spent several hours in one of the local shopping centres. Um, so in the end, I think they worked out that there was 183 people that he may have exposed to, and he has Delta, so he got tested positive for Delta. Yeah, how and wonderful. Exactly, and given the recent experience that they had in Melbourne where one person got through and managed to bring the country to a standstill, yep. uh, our uh, hallowed Premier decided to go into a snack lockdown, which we've not actually ever done before. This was the first time we've done this. Really? Okay. Yeah. So the whole COVID time we've had COVID, we've never actually done a proper lockdown. How, <laughs> how, how in the world did you survive, Clancy? I worked the whole time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was fine because I'm an essential worker, so I was out and about seeing clients. That's cool. Okay. All right. So I had no problems at all. I was actually a little bit disappointed because I would have liked to have had three days off to stay at home and watch <laughs> It's a... Uh... No, no. So, like, so, and that ties in with uh, my my next point was that Melbourne has just. Uh, I think we actually literally called it Freedom Day uh, last last Friday, where because seventy percent of the population of the Victorian population is now double vaccinated, um, some of the restrictions have been have been eased. Um, but Clancy, just, just uh, I don't interrupt you, but you had a point before I mentioned about the guy escape hotel quarantine. So, if you want to finish off that, finish off that point that you made. Well, it was it was mostly about the fact that, you know, there's always going to be a chink in the system, like, yeah. you know, and it's usually to do with something that can't be controlled by the 
people who make the system. So, I mean, yep. in this case, it was it was transport. It was the the actual airlines, and they aren't obviously putting they all they either choose not to or are not allowed to. I don't actually know mm-hmm. to prevent people from flying. But so, if I if I read it correctly, whoever in authority has actually basically subcontracted the enforcement down to the airlines. It's up to the airlines to decide who gets on their planes and doesn't. Well, no, that's the, that's the thing I'm wondering about because I mean, if you think about in terms of um, if you're flying overseas and you don't have a valid passport, they can stop you from flying. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. Yeah, so, see, the Americans. The Americans are very good at stopping you getting into their country. They will just stop you at <laughs> your border and say, "No, you, we're, we're not yeah. issuing you a ticket." And if they exactly. want to drag you off the plane, if they want to drag you off the plane, they will drag you off the plane. Exactly. But we kicking don't have- and screaming. <laughs> we don't have a similar system domestically because uh, traditionally all of our borders domestically have been open. So between mm-hmm. states, there are no restrictions about crossing borders. So domestic airlines have never had a system in place where they can actually stop people getting on a plane to travel to another state. Mm, yep. They can only do that if you're travelling overseas. Because even the, just as a small segue, even the Western Australian uh, border closure, that has actually rankled a lot of people. And it's really, just really weird how, um, what's the gentleman's name over there in WA? Oh, um, oh gosh. Wanker with the texting. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Uh, Mark McGowan, Mark, Mark McGowan. Yeah, Mark McGowan, that's his name. Yeah, yeah so he's uh, put this basically iron curtain up over over, over Western Australia uh, to the point that it, it annoyed Clive Palmer, of all people. That's right. That's what I was thinking about as the wanky with the texting, was Clive Palmer, <laughs> not Mark McGowan. <laughs> I agree with Mark McGowan. So, yeah, yeah um, how big is the anti-vax is, – is there an anti-vax movement in Tasmania? Oh, of course. Oh, yeah, totally. Okay. Look, I mean, I think there's there's going to be anti-vax anywhere you go, and there's yep. always going to be that minority of people who just. I, I agree, but I suppose how vocal how vocal is it? like compared to Melbourne? Like, uh, I don't know. I suppose probably where the Melbourne had, you know, days of protests, including outside the the head office of the construction union mm-hmm. as, as well. But in your part of the world, how strong is it, or is it just a uh, just some rabble rousers online who uh, or is yeah. it or is it or is it more like the people in New York shouting save Melbourne and going round and shouting to save Australia in New York City? I, well, I actually don't think it's quite that bad because the, okay. the thing the thing about Tasmania is that we're we're quite aware of how small we are. Yep. Um, and we're also quite aware of how little capacity we are to respond to a major outbreak of yep. COVID. So I think a lot of people are justly terrified because the state of our hospitals at the moment means that it's already bad. We've already got hospitals where the ambulances are ramped for up to a day outside. Wow. And that's without COVID. Now, I had a, I, I actually went to the hospital with chest pain about six months ago and I'm a nurse and I got ramped for three and a half hours. Wow. So that that just gives you that just gives you a little comprehension of what it's like at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yep. So people are justly terrified about the fact that a you know the waters are going to open and they're trying to get vaccinated as quickly as possible. There's still going to be a minority of people who don't agree with it, and they're probably people who were already anti-vaxxers before. 
So, you know, they're always already the ones that refuse to get their kids vaccinated for measles because measles is just a harmful, harmless childhood illness that doesn't do anything. Uh, yeah. Same but, with mumps. It doesn't affect it doesn't affect you as a teenager at all. No, it just makes you sterile, which is probably a really good thing, I reckon. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure rubella is also good for a laugh as well. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah, it just makes and, you and, Meningitis, that's a wonderful thing. I do love a good inflammation of the meninges. Those people with polio just sit around all day in their, you know, their metal beds, you know. Well, actually, speaking of polio, that's actually a really good example because we had a quite a nasty um, epidemic of polio in Tasmania about 60 or 70 years ago. Ooh, okay. And so a lot of the older generation do actually still remember that. And there are still people alive who have post-polio syndrome. Mm-hmm. So there is there is in the consciousness in Tasmania this memory of polio and what it actually did to people. Yep. And so they're a lot more accepting of vaccination in that sense. Yep. Um, so you've got this weird dichotomy where you've got the young people who don't know anything about it and have never seen it, but their parents and grandparents are like, oh, but hang on, Uncle so-and-so, he is in a wheelchair his entire life because of polio. Mm-hmm. So so it's, it's whereas in other parts of Australia, they don't have a similar experience in a lot of places. Okay. So so there's sort of a, a like a, a, almost a pushback by the old generation against the new generation who are any that. I suppose it's, it's the old saying, those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Exactly right. But, yeah, uh, speaking of uh, things being open and uh, un- unlocked, uh, so last Friday, because we hit our 70% double vaccination rates, uh, we have now we're a, little, we're a little bit more open. So they called it a Freedom Day, which is where a number of the restrictions have been removed. They're not totally removed, but, you know, there was a, yeah, we ha- we have a bit more um yeah, a bit more freedom to go out. Uh, I think the reasons to leave home are now being uh, uh, removed. You can have people over your place now as long as they're double vaccinated, uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, if you do want to uh, dine in at a restaurant, you know you can dine in if you're double vaccinated, uh, which then leads to a point I made earlier about um so the cafe owners then have to enforce the double vaccinated rule, which kind of makes it uncomfortable on them. Uh, just in the same way that the airlines have to enforce the, the vaccinated status and the, all that kind of stuff. But, um, uh, yeah, so we spent, oh, I think about 70-something, 80-something days in, in in this lockdown. And Yeah, just on that point, just on that yeah, point, of course, we'll carry of course. on. Cumulatively, Melbourne holds the world record for the <laughs> longest cumulative lockdowns at 262 days. Uh, yep, yep, that is... Yes, that you, you are quite right, and it, it certainly did feel like we were the most locked down in the world. And it's actually quite interesting that um, we just got out of lockdown, and we're still at about two thousand cases per day. So, in a way, I'm I do think the government did a a good thing in setting set, setting a goal and sticking by that goal regardless of the of the consequences. Because I think it's I think this is one of the mistakes that Dan Andrews made was that when he set the lockdown, there was no hard target to to be. He was just going day by day, you know, seeing what the case the case numbers were, and he, here we are. We see the case numbers go up. We see the case numbers go down a little bit. We we see the case numbers go down a little bit. We we get a little bit excited, and then the next day the case numbers go up. 
And I think by the time, just trying to think, I think it's about a couple of weeks ago, we hit about a thousand cases per day and we we're going, oh my God. And then the other day we've hit 2000 cases per day. And I think one of the reasons for that is just that people got so sick of lockdown that they just said, no, we, we, we're going to vo- not worry about the restrictions. We're just going to, you know, do what, uh, yeah, just do what, do, do what we want. We'll go see our relatives. We'll go shopping. We'll just head out. And one of the big differences between last year and this year, last year, the police were out in force. The police were out on the freeways. They're on the highways. They were checking addresses. They were taking names. Um, there was a couple of videos of, you know, police arresting grandmas who weren't wearing masks, um, stuff like that. Never Whereas, a good look. No, no, indeed. We're, we're, and this time, this time around, the police have been a lot less, uh, you know, a lot less heavy handed. And it's interesting that there was actually, I think the lady's name was Crystal, Crystal Mitchell, who was like a, 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 a what was it, a, a senior sergeant in the Victoria Police who actually quit on the spot during an interview because, you know, apparently she, she was claiming to represent a, an anti-vax lockdown or anti-vax movement within Victoria Police or something like that. So so hats off to Dan Andrews for you know, finally, finally letting us go out. And I think we're, we're bound to hit 80% double vaxxed uh, this uh, at, the, at, the, at the end of next week. So we'll see how that goes. But um, yeah, the case numbers will be will be interesting. But yeah, I think what Dan should have done in the first place is set that hard target that we could all work to, work work towards. And then rather than just leave us in this limbo of, you know, can't go out, can't see our friends, you know, it's, it's winter. So of course that kind of adds, adds to your depression and, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, that reminds me of when the very first lockdown in the UK, mm. I had to go into something called shielding. Oh, okay. Because I'm asthmatic, quite badly asthmatic. Yeah. I was told that I was part of the clinically vulnerable group and I was legally prohibited from leaving my own house for 12 weeks. Oh, no. Couldn't even go into my own garden. Wasn't legally allowed into my own garden. And I have a dog. So my mother my mother had to come round on a regular basis and walk my dog for me. Really? I wasn't legally I wasn't legally allowed to leave my own house for twelve weeks. So I had to have food delivered, medicines delivered, the lot. I wasn't legally allowed into my own garden. It was crazy. And the point of that, the point of that was, I'm just, I'm just trying to, to protect like, me from the coronavirus. Like, are people with coronavirus going to jump into your garden and like cough over your lilies or something? Or I have no idea. Okay, but apparently, I couldn't go into my own garden at all. I wasn't allowed. I had to, and people who, that were delivering food had to leave it on the doorstep and then <laughs> yep. tell me that they'd left it on the doorstep. It was. <laughs> Absolutely, yep. absolutely ludicrous. But because I understand exactly what it's like not being able to go out. But I hear you say two thousand cases a day. Yes, <laughs> two thousand a day. UK a couple of days ago here fifty thousand again. Oh, really? No, 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 no. Restrictions are being planned to be oh. brought in either. Because you guys just came came out of restrictions, didn't you? 
July the 19th, we came out of all restrictions in England. When was it, sorry? 19th of July was our Freedom Day. And in England, they completely removed all the restrictions. Scotland and Wales kept some. Northern Ireland kept some. But England, no restrictions at all. No requirements to show anything. No masks on um, when you're traveling around. You're supposed to wear a mask on the London Underground, but nobody enforces that. Okay, yep, yep. So, yeah, I went to London a couple of days ago, not a couple of days, uh, a couple of weeks ago now, and I was wearing a face covering, and about 40% of people were wearing face coverings, yep, yep. but most people didn't, didn't care. So, yeah, 50,000 cases, and we're about to get the world's newest and more virulent vaccine-evading oh. mutation. <laughs> Great. Yes, I'm just looking at uh, coronavirus.data.gov.uk, and, yeah, so 44,985... Uh, Cases uh, last seven days is three hundred thirty three thousand. Oh, jeez, yep. that's a uh, one hundred thirty five people have died within twenty eight days of a positive test uh, in the last Ooh. seven. Uh, yeah. Wow, that's. Uh, I mean, the, the, the scariest thing about the latest variant too is that it seems to be affecting younger and younger people. Hmm. So I know when it first came out, everyone was like, "Oh, but the kids are okay; they're not getting it; they're not yep. getting." And suddenly they are. And that was one of the reasons why parents uh, kind of kicked back against lockdowns is because, well, the kids, th- this virus doesn't seem to affect children, so why are you mm. keeping them at home? Exactly right. But some of the restrictions they brought in, though, are a little bit nuts. Like like Phoebe says, I mean, not being able to go out in your backyard is crazy. Mm, but, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I live in, and I work in rural Tasmania and we have people who live on farms in the middle of nowhere with no neighbours and they're still not allowed to go out of the house, you know. So, so and, and like I sit in my office at work and I'm the only one there and I have to wear a mask. <laughs> So, and we have and we have no COVID in Tasmania, <laughs> right? So, it's, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I do like that they've now moved to a new naming system for variants. So the uh, variant of concern, as the oh, UK yes. government call it, is called AY.4.2. because that rolls off the tongue. Exactly. I thought Delta Delta was uh, <laughs> was was nice. Yeah. Oh well. Oh well. Um, Phoebe, do you have any uh, any more talking points? <sighs> yes. Or about, about have, Australian politics. I, 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 I have. I have. I have one wonderful Dark Ages talking point. We could be going back into the dark here, oh, yes. especially if the Nats have their way, because they could bring down the the uh, Morrison government because solar power has to work at night. Really? <laughs> the wind doesn't blow all the time. Oh, oh so we we can't move to net carbon zero because you know we're gonna have to we're gonna have to rely on the sun, oh. and at night we won't get any electricity. Oh, oh dear! Wow, that's uh... a <laughs> that is that that is that was that is actually one of the um, coming back to our wonderful man at the beginning, whose name is escaping me at the moment. Malcolm, our Barnaby. wonderful. No, 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 no. Our wonderful Cor- one nation senator. Our wonderful, our wonderful one nation senator whose name escapes me at the Malcolm moment. Roberts. Yeah, Malcolm, Malcolm Roberts. Roberts. Malcolm Roberts has said, I oppose the net carbon zero deal because it's dark at night. That, those are his exact words. 
Malcolm Roberts put on Twitter, it's dark at night. It doesn't, it's not windy all the time. Therefore, we're going to rely on coal. <laughs> that's a, that's spoken like a, a, a true Queenslander. There's just something, something I about bet Queens- he also, I bet he also thinks that daylight savings really good because it gives us more sunlight. I thought it was going to, I, I thought the cows wouldn't adjust though. That's the thing. Well, there you go. I thought I thought the chickens would cr- would uh, cluck at the wrong times, <laughs> and the rooster would crow when it was you know oh it was an hour ago that was oh dear, but no oh. as as we as we are recording this the uh, Nat's party room at Canberra is full, mm-hmm. and they are discussing whether or not they're going to bring down the Scott Morrison government over the net carbon zero, oh. and because because quite clearly. Not only are the lights off when it does, when it's not very sunny, but the lights are off in the Nats room as well. <laughs> well, it is. It is. I suppose interesting that. Um, yeah, I suppose it is. Is one of these tests of uh, Scott Morrison's uh, leadership, and uh, like Scott has always come across as this, you know, affable, daggy dad, you know, who's always upbeat and cheery. And now he's literally facing a mutiny, and but not just, from his own party. Well, well from the from, other from party, yeah, the from, other party that prop him up. Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's, well, that's and, the thing. And this this is the thing a lot of people probably outside of Australia don't realise. You obviously do, Phoebe. Is that without the National Party, the Liberal Party wouldn't be in power. Well, precisely. And no, here's no, the other thing. Yeah, and the other thing is. Don't say the country Liberal Party is part of the Liberal Party. Don't no, mix the two up. They get really, really upset if you say the country Liberal Party is part of the Liberal Party. No, <laughs> don't, don't, don't mix those two up. <laughs> and, the, and this is the thing, because like in, in the States, the Liberal Party stands by itself here in Tasmania because we basically don't have a national party down here. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the next, the next, Equivalent would be the Shooters, Fishers, and Farmers Party. Um, (laughs) Okay, yep. um, Don't get me started. Um, But but federally, it's it's the Nationals. And if if the Liberals didn't have the Nationals, there wouldn't be a coalition and there wouldn't be a government coalition. It's like the opposite is true in Western Australia because the National Party are the opposition party. The Liberals got decimated. Mm-hmm. So in Western Australia, you have the Labour Party as a recognised party, and then you have the National Party of Western Australia as the recognised party. The Liberal Party, no, we're sorry, but you, you didn't reach the threshold to be a recognised party in the state anymore. I'm just, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for the Liberal Party to get into their big greens. That Green and blue. Be. How very German. How very German that we're going. Oh, yeah. I know. They're because very right wing, aren't they? The Greens in Germany. I know. That traffic light coalition they've got going on soon, or they, they may, or they may, you know, knock the top light out, and then instead of it being a red, yellow, green, it could be a black, yellow, green if you knock the, well, if you knock the top traffic light out. 
Because well, I see that uh, Senator Matt Canavan has uh, weighed weight in weighed in fair bit as well, and it's like, well, yeah, he he only pops up you know when when he's when he's needed or you know when when there's a you know when when a or when someone presentable is needed and and Barnaby Joyce isn't available. <laughs> well, when Barnaby <laughs> Joyce isn't being hounded out of office again, yeah, exactly. That. I I, I, re- I reckon they 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 refer to Canavan as the good looking one. Yeah, exactly. He's, 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 got, he's got that. He's got that charm about him. But the whole thing, uh, the other thing I think we're, we're discussing just pre pre show was the thing about pr- apparently Prince Charles strong arms Scott Morrison into coming to the Glasgow uh, climate seminar. Well, <sighs> it's a lot to be said about Charlie Boy. There's a lot to be said about Charlie Boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, his his Royal Highness, the, the uh, of Duke of Cornwall. His oh. Royal Highness, the Duke of Cornwall. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah. Because remember, his wife is not the Princess of Wales. His wife is ah, the Duchess of Cornwall. I oh, so yep, yep. So yes, he he has a lot to answer for. That man does, and inflicting Scott Morrison on that poor, poor, <laughs> poor town in England. Or is it Scotland? I can't remember. But inflicting uh, Scott Morrison on the rest of us. I don't know. He's probably he's probably promised him a Duke of Edinburgh award. Well, there you go. That's already <laughs> promised him the gold award. You see. No, but in, in, in a way, I, I do find it just a little bit funny that you know you're making a guy whose decision making isn't his strong point anyway. To fly almost literally halfway across the world to make decisions that he to, to to basically be bound by agreements that are going to cane him uh, when he gets back home anyway. And also so, think of the carbon footprint of that flight. Well, indeed, indeed, and, all, and then all of, all of his advisors and all that. So, so in a way, I was actually okay with Prime Minister Morrison not going. Like for what? You know, it's, it's, I, I see these uh, things as more of a show rather than anything, you know, prom- anything worthwhile. Because, like, most heads of government already meet via Zoom anyway. Oh, yeah. So it's more like, like I don't quite get why they needed he- him specifically there when they could have, you know, like, if they're all about, you know, reducing carbon footprint, then don't make the Prime Minister and a whole bunch of lackeys fly halfway across the world for something that could be, you know, done oh, online. I mean, and- I mean, they don't need his physical signature or anything because, you know, that UK-Australia oven-ready trade deal hasn't been finalised yet. <laughs> so they don't need his signature on that oven-ready trade deal, as Boris Johnson said at the last general election in the UK. So oven, he's, oven not phys- he's not physically needed to actually sign pieces of paper here. And as you as you said, Damien, why can't they just do what they were doing nine months ago? Yes. And sit at a computer. I I understand it's nice to meet your friends and nice yeah. to meet your friends in person. But when your friends live on the other side of the world, you have to understand that it's going to be a bit more difficult. 
for them to actually, you know, see you. And you can't see them as optional because they are a long way away and it is, you know, very expensive. Unless, of course, you have the taxpayer of your country. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> indeed, indeed. But uh, was, did, so, so Boris Johnson used the word oven ready. Oh, yes. He likes the word oven ready. Oh, he, uh, he, he, he has, he he has been oven the... ready. Sorry. Oven ready is one of his favourite ones. And... Um, uh, what is it? Uh, proof reading re- and ready to go is his okay, so other, is I, his ready, I thought oven ready was describing your beer. Well, it could be worse. We could import the amber nectar. Foo <laughs> <laughs> foo. Oh, anyway, um, I'm gonna. This is this has been a very very educational chat. So, um, I'm gonna. I think it's time for us to wrap up. We've gone for about now <laughs> already. It's been uh, wonderful having uh, Clancy as the latest member of. Uh, Let's save the Governor General, but um, Phoebe, I'm going to give you uh, any last words from your side. Don't do what we're doing, please. Please don't do what we're doing. Learn from our mistakes. The colonialist is not the person you look up to in this case. Go your own way. Ignore the UK. We're not this shiny example that you want to look up to. We don't want you going into the same things that we did. 50,000 cases a day, no thank you. New variants, no thank you. So look after yourselves out there. When you're called to get your jab, go and get it. And the Australian flu season last year is one of the reasons why the flu jab in the UK is not working as well as we think it is, because you had a lovely flu season because everyone was in lockdowns. So you, your flu season wasn't as, as bad, so our flu no, jab no, no, isn't it working as well. We had, no flu, we had no flu at all in Tasmania. We had 13 confirmed cases in the whole year. That's pretty good. But yeah, that's what we are, and we base our flu jab on the Australian and New Zealand flu season. So if you have a really low flu season, it makes our flu jab much more difficult to get correct, shall we say. Great. Uh, Clancy, any last words from, from yourself? Well, you know, I actually have got a bit of a philosophical thing about what sure. Phoebe's just been saying. Is Go for it. How many infections we didn't have over this whole period of time? The only thing really people are suffering from is COVID. <laughs> We haven't been getting the flu. We haven't been getting measles. There's been zero cases of measles. There's been zero cases of a bunch of other things that we commonly will catch. Um, and I think the way forward is if for all the anti-vaxxers, basically just we all just need to go into lockdown for three months and wipe everything out, you know. And, 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 and this is the other thing too, which I would remind the anti-vaxxers, if we vaccinated 100% for all these things, the next generation wouldn't need to get vaccinated at all. Yeah. Interesting. Because see the eradication of smallpox. Exactly. And polio in some places. Indeed, polio indeed. in all but three parts of the world. Somalia, northwestern Pakistan, and I can't remember the third place. Bangladesh. So I think it's like a uh, or it's like some very remote parts of Bangladesh that they can't yeah, quite get Bangladesh. to. Yeah, Bangladesh. But, hey, on, a, on another positive point, they now have a vaccine for malaria. They do, and that was that is wonderful news. It's wonderful. It's like after the last Ebola crisis, they came out with an Ebola vaccine. So they Exactly, yeah. Medical science, it works. But anyway, vaccines Phoebe, save lives. They do indeed. So Phoebe Clancy, thank you for thank you for discussing, and yeah, let's let's save the Governor General. 
Well, let's save him and keep him in his job for a very long time. Very long time. Let's just hope, let's just hope he's vaccinated. Double vaccinated. Unless he had the Johnson & Johnson jab. Then that's a single jab. Or the <laughs> Boris Johnson jab. Let every stage advance Australia fair.